Supergirl Radio Rebirth, your source for the DC comic series called Supergirl Rebirth. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss and review Supergirl number seven, which was written by Steve Orlando with art penciled and inked by Matthias Bergara, I think is how you pronounce the name. That's my best attempt at the name. I think it's Matthias Bergara. Someone correct me if I've said that wrong. That but. seems right. I, I, I am notorious for mangling pretty much every name, though, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't listen to me. Well, that's uh, that's that's the best attempt. Uh, but I'm open to different interpretations. Uh, the description for this issue reads: Mission Mind. Supergirl's powers mean nothing when she's trapped inside the consciousness of a killer. Creeping through the mind of a Kryptonian monster, Supergirl finds herself on a suicide mission to return Laron to sanity inside the DEO, unquote. So they, um, in the description, they, they were very careful not to spoil who the killer in the Kryptonian monster is, uh, which I, I thought was a, uh, a, a good way to go about writing the description. They didn't give it away that it was actually Laron and the werewolves. Um, so what did you think, Morgan, about Supergirl, her, the, pretty much the whole issue is Supergirl going into Laurent's mind to find out what is triggering his werewolf transformations. What did you think about that? I, I liked it. I thought it was, it was interesting. Um, it kind of reminded me of when we were covering like Adventures of Supergirl and she like goes through all these weird dreams it was kind of similar to that. There was like a lot of like dream logic where like she's in his childhood and suddenly they're like eating their food out of the bowls like dogs. And she's like, what? <laughs> and then <laughs> and then she's getting like she's like falling through like blackness. And then she's getting chased by a bunch of wolves who like talk in this like really weird uh text <laughs> like yeah. this really weird slanty text i was like oh you can tell they're creepy because i can barely read it <laughs> uh <laughs> and then like and then she finally gets to see you know what's at the root of his issues with the moon and uh his issues with his father and so i really liked i liked i liked the uh the the whole concept i i liked when she you know like picks him up and and takes him to the moon and stuff like that it was it was nice i i felt like at the at the end i was like oh so we're just leaving him in there but uh <laughs> I, I i once again kind of felt like the ending i was i was surprised that it didn't like she just kind of she finds out you know what it is that's causing it and they're like great now we have some now we can like start trying to figure out a cure and i was like what yeah <laughs> i you, thought we were gonna get him out <laughs> yeah you would think that when she when she wakes up is it like when she in the dream it, like i agree with you the the moment when like she picks him up to like i guess fly him to the moon in the dream that wakes her up like that that prompts her coming out of it and so i was confused about that too like why didn't it wake up him as well like she even at the end of like at the end after she gets up out of her little like chamber thingy she's like it's time for lauren to wake up and i was like okay and then the next page she's like visiting the the monument of art like what what I guess whatever scrap metal they have left of Arco City that they made like a monument out of, and I was like, well, what happened? What happened to him? Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, nothing. Nothing. I, I guess maybe we'll see maybe in future issues with. I hope at least like we get to see Supergirl connect to Lauren in the present um, because I like you. I thought I I really enjoyed this issue. This was the first issue I think in reading all of Rebirth that I was like, all right, this now we're talking. I like this. I'm I'm in for this. Uh, because I, and it's funny because you mentioned Adventures of Supergirl, and that's exactly what I thought of. Uh, the this yeah. kind of the narrative device of going into this dream state, you know, state where you could kind of pretty much do anything. Uh, that was kind of like that was with Psy and Adventures of Supergirl. So it, it was a little bit different, but it's sort of the same, you know, playing around with the storytelling device. And um, I, I think this was the first time that I really was attached to what was happening in the story. And I think because for me, I think I'm more drawn to the Supergirl stories where she is connecting with someone one-on-one. I find that like, that's, that's when I'm like, yes, I'm in to win it, uh, with Supergirl, um, for this, because like, for example, uh, Sterling Gates Bizarro Girl, I I loved that because she Supergirl is connecting with Bizarro and trying to help her. And I really like those. I think that's when Supergirl shines the most is when she is uh, connecting on a personal level with someone. And that's what she does in Supergirl Rebirth number seven is that she goes into this dream state, finds... And it's not, not even just like adult Lauren as we've seen him before, but like little Lauren, which made it even more adorable that she was connecting with this kid. So I really liked seeing him and getting to know about him because that was something that this is new for me. Like Cyborg Superman and Supergirl fighting, I've seen that before. So it wasn't, uh, it was sort of like a, almost a rehash of things I'd already seen previously in, in other stories. But this thing with Lauren and getting to know him, I felt... I was seeing something new for the first time, and I was very interested in that. So were there things in the dream, like you mentioned, like she goes through like sort of this phantom zone thing? Was there anything in the the dream state that uh, really interested you the most? Yeah, I really liked that when she was like falling through what she thought was the phantom zone. She was like, is this the phantom zone or is this just what he thinks of the phantom zone? I was a little bit creeped out. So after she goes in the phantom zone, she's like, is this this is their funeral crypt? And I was like, why is there a funeral crypt? Like, why is there like a guy like reaching for red kryptonite in their funeral crypt. <laughs> and also what looks like, I guess it's like a werewolf in another one. And then there's definitely like a guy who looks like a pharaoh next to a guy who looks like <laughs> old Cyclops, like b- right behind her. Yeah. And I was like, what's happening here? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely uh, an intriguing depiction of like a Kryptonian funeral crypt. Because it, at one point she even notices a gravity well. And that was something that I had to look up because I figured that that was probably like a real scientific thing, but I wasn't sure what it was. So I actually looked up what gravity wells were and they are like, they're a, it's a conceptual model in astrophysics, astrophysics. So it's, it's an astro, an actual astrophysical thing and 
actually the way it's drawn in the comic is exactly what it looks like. If you Google gravity well and you look at the images, that's what it looks like. So I (laughs) I appreciated the uh, attention to detail. I wasn't totally sure why it was there in the dream near the funeral. Uh, yeah, I was perhaps. I was confused by by a lot in that page. But I, <laughs> I was like, why is there what's a gravity well and and why is it there? But maybe I mean, and you could make the case for the fact that like it's it's a dream, so not everything's going to make sense. It's just going to be sometimes, I guess, a nonsense. And maybe, like, for Kryptonians, like, gravity wells are no big thing. Maybe it's just, like, common knowledge. Yeah, and I think my one of my favorite panels is below where you see, like, it's like a tiny little, like, Laron as a Aww, werewolf. And he's so cute. He and she's cute. like, wait. And then the next panel, he's, like, all freaked out, like, uh-oh, she saw me. And he's, like, running away. I don't know. It was just, like, I thought it was really cute. That was adorable. That one panel where he's, like, creeping uh, over the, the uh, what would you call that? He's like, he's, like, looking over the corner. It's very, very cute. Didn't, and I had a question because I wasn't really sure about this when I was reading it, but like there's a, a scene where little Lauren is eating dinner with his father. And then it looks like Lauren takes, uh, what did they call it? Like a phantom projection gun or something. Oh yeah. Uh, a, yeah. Phantom zone projector. He shoots her and that's kind of where, how she gets into what she thinks is the phantom zone. Did you think, because there were parts of the dream where it seemed like they could see her, and then there were parts of the dream where it sort of felt like they couldn't. So I was wondering what you thought about that. I feel like the only one who could see her was uh, was Laurent. Oh, maybe. And, and so so at the dinner scene, like, he saw her and shot her into, like, the fake phantom zone. And then later when he's, like, an adorable little wolf, he sees her and, like, <laughs> runs away. Yeah. And then she, like, has to fight all – or she's, like, fighting or running away from all of these other wolves. But I kind of took it as those were sort of, like, the negative parts of his, like, own psyche. Like, those are, like, the the like the like kind of, like, the bad parts of him um, that have been, like, chasing, like, the little cute good – good wolf uh, around in his mind and was like the reason why he's like been rampaging like that's all his like anger and uh and sorrow and like basically all of his childhood issues like as uh like really angry wolves uh, so i i think because when she later on when she's sort of in the scene there with him and his father when his father tells him like way harshly that like oh well you were you know you were born under a a green comet so basically you're useless and he's like <laughs> but dad i can you know i can do stuff and dad's like uh no don't even try um but I, supergirl gets to interact with Laron, but it doesn't seem like the father notices her there at all so i think that she can only really interact with him I think you're right. Now that, now that I'm looking at it, now that you're explaining that, I think you nailed it because it doesn't ever seem like the father is referencing her in the the scene or in the moment, but he does. And I think it's appropriate because she's going into his either memories or his dreams. So it sort of makes sense that he would be the one who would have the most knowledge of what was going on in the moment. Um, And I did like that little bit where um, they sort of have a connection where it's like, hey, you know my cousin? That's cool. 
they have like this connection uh, through their uh, th- through Kara's uh, cousins, distant cousins. Uh, so I thought that that was a, a neat little connection there, and I liked that Kara and well, Supergirl was able to uh, relate to Laron with his father issues because in Rebirth we have seen she's had some father issues. Her father is not the greatest guy. So it makes sense that uh, Supergirl, and what I liked about this was that Supergirl was able to take those bad experiences that she's had with her dad and help someone else with the bad experiences they've had with their dad. So she's actually able to relate to Laron on a personal level because of their shared um, terrible fathers. So I, <laughs> I like I like that Supergirl is able to channel the 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 negative things that have happened to her and turn them into positives and help someone else. Yeah. She was kind of like talking to, to Lauren, like after his father had told him basically like that he was never going to accomplish anything. And she was like, Oh, I know dad's right. (laughs) Uh, So I, I did. I like that. I like that moment uh, because it's sort of, you know, we went from that, the cyborg super, Superman arc into this arc um there's besides seeing like the whatever is left of Argo City as a kind of a weird monument um there's not a lot of talk about what happened in the previous arc but I do feel like it informs that conversation that she has with him there yeah so it's it's definitely I I, I wonder if we will get like a new like we had the the cyborg Superman story the arc there but it sounded like that whole thing has sort of wrapped up and so i wonder if we're now gonna get a new story where it's like supergirl and lauren like i would be into that i would be into more like give me more kryptonian werewolves i'm into that yeah let's let's do more of that uh so i i i would agree i i liked seeing um her interact with him um, and there were also some more like DC Comics Easter eggs that made me very excited because the I, what I like about what Steve Orlando has done um, in this series, even though I've had issues with the way he's used Kryptonese um, that I've been very <laughs> vocal about. Uh, but what, what I do like about how he's uh, written these issues is that he will drop things in. And it will force me to go look it up. And I'll be like, oh, that's really interesting. So... The way that they are able to put Supergirl into his mind is through this technology that the DEO has, that they have this tech that's going to create an energy duplicate. Stay with me here. An energy duplicate (laughs) wherein a body stays where it is. So the body is not going to move, but the, quote, energy energy twin projects into Lauren's mind relaying back sensory information so her body's gonna stay there but her energy twin goes into his mind and that's an actual thing they they mentioned dr simon x in the issue and so i went and looked up simon x because i'd never heard the name before and simon is actually a dc comics character who used the same i mean he created this technology created the energy twin that could commit criminal acts independent of his own form. So it sounds like Simon X 
is a is a villain possibly i need to do more research into simon x but uh so simon x created an energy twin and the wiki says that to distinguish between the two dr x there there was a dr x who wore a costume with a single x so dr x had a costume that had an x on it and then his energy twin had a uh, was known as uh, <laughs> Doctor Double X. So Doctor Double X, his costume had two X's on it. Um, so they, uh, the DEO has snagged this energy twin technology from this uh, Doctor X guy and are using it to put Supergirl into Lauren's mind. So I really enjoyed that. I thought that was pretty fun. And they um, over issue six and seven, we get some Kryptonian. References, so like in issue six, Kara is making this Kryptonian dish for the Danvers, this uh, Kavornish, I guess is what it's called. And so in uh, issue seven, we find out that Laurent's mother's favorite meal was Kavornish trisnout. So we're getting some more insight into, into the Kryptonian culture, what they like to eat, and that it, this Kavornish thing is a very common meal, I guess, that Kryptonians ate. So that also tickled my uh, Kryptonian, uh, my love for all things Kryptonian culture uh, fancy. So that was very exciting to me. All right. So I guess since we talked a little bit about the story, what did you think about the art in this one? I liked it. Um, I was looking through to see some of the different uh, panels that I liked. And on page... 13 there's a panel of supergirl with those like crazy almost like these like crazy wolves behind her and they almost like don't even look like wolves anymore they just look like kind of like shadows with like fangs and like claws it's pretty creepy it's really Uh, creepy it's really creepy but i like the way like her hair is sort of like kind of standing up and she's like kind of surrounded by them and i like the way that it's um it's set up like that. I think it's it's a pretty cool, um, a pretty cool looking um, way to show how scary these things are in his mind. Uh, and then on page, I guess I think it's the next page actually, like page fourteen. She she says, um, but the name is Supergirl, and the Supergirl is in the Supergirl font. Yeah, I always enjoy that. Uh, I'm <laughs> I'm easy that way though. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's in the Supergirl font. I like it. Uh, I like how they showed her sort of like falling into the Phantom Zone. I thought that was cool. Yeah, uh, she's sort of like um, like this weird like almost like see through like ethereal figure, and she's just falling through like blackness. It's like a a pretty cool visual way to show how. You know, it's like there's nothing around her. She's just sort of falling through nothing. Um, and then I liked at the I, I liked the page 19 where she uh, flies Laron up to the moon. Um, and he's you can see like on his face, like the joy of like, oh, that he's like going to this place that he always wanted to go to. And then I think uh, my other favorite panel was actually on page 21 like right before superman shows up um where she's like sitting in the clouds like very sad i don't know it just it just had like a moodiness to it like you can see the city behind her 
And uh, in the first panel, you can't even see her face is like all in shadow and just sort of her profile. And but you can just tell from just like the way that she's sitting that she's like pretty bummed about things. She's bummed and she's pensive. And there's something funny to me that like when Supergirl gets upset and she wants to get away from it, she just goes and parks it on a cloud. She's just that seems go, like it would be convenient. You know, if, if you knew, if you just need to get away from it all, just get get away from it all. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go up to that cloud. Try to stop me. I mean, who's gonna who's gonna mess with her up there? The only person who could was Superman, and he did. He came into her space <laughs> while she was thinking about stuff, having a moment, and Superman shows up. How gee, Superman, rude, totally rude. <laughs> he came into her spot. Um, but yeah, so I did like that little moment and I am with you. I thought the visual of the phantom zone or what she interpreted as the phantom zone was really unique. Um, because I, I've seen various, uh, depictions of the phantom zone, whether it's the, uh, the Donner slash Christopher Reeve version where they're like in a, like a, like a triangle thing that's floating in space and they're like compressed against the glass or in Supergirl the movie where it's like this desert wasteland or it's sort of like that on Smallville too uh, with you know phantoms flying around and um, in Man of Steel they have a phantom zone but you don't get to experience what it's like in the phantom zone Um, so this was to me I thought this was very unique and it made a lot of sense where like that to, to be in total blackness would be scary. If you didn't know where you were or if anyone was around um, or how to get out, that would be very terrifying. And I liked how, like you said, like she's, um, she's kind of stripped of her colors. Like the red and the blue and the yellow are kind of taken away and she's more translucent. Um, I thought that was a really cool way to show that. Uh, I liked how they showed on page seven how, like, she actually comes into Lauren's mind and she sort of pops up. I, I thought that was a, a cool visual way to show how that process was. It sort of, lo- it almost looks like she's like crashing through a wave, but like it's it's his his brain, his mind. Um, so there were there are a lot of cool things um, like that where it actually like showed how things happened and it actually helped me visualize it um and i just i i think everything on page 18 for me i just thought this whole page was beautiful like the the way the the lighting comes down which i guess it's the light from the moons um is how i saw it um it just has this like oh yeah spotlight that comes down on lauren and supergirl as they're talking and i think it's really cute like she is sitting down on the floor with little Laurent, just kind of meeting him where he is. Like, he's he's sitting on the floor, so she sits on the floor. And uh, so I really, really liked that whole page. Just, uh, I thought I thought all of that was beautiful. And I think all of the art in this whole issue, I, maybe it was because it was a nice change. Like, we had been with Brian Ching for so long, and we, or at least for me, I had kind of gotten used to his art style but now we're introduced to this other artist and so it was a little refreshing to see a different take on it and uh i really thought some of the stuff that was going on in this issue uh art wise was very nice so um i really enjoyed this issue um what did you think about it what what are your overall thoughts about issue seven 
I really liked it. I I thought that uh, like I like I said before, it really reminded me of uh, Adventures of Supergirl, and maybe I'm just nostalgic for Adventures of Supergirl. <laughs> <laughs> Slash, I miss it. Uh, but I I really liked the way that they went into his mind, and I, I think um, they did a good job with um, being you know making his metaphorical demons into real scary demons. Um, and showing how sort of disjointed that dream, sort of that dream world is, and still kind of hooking it back into her relationship with her father, which we just got done seeing was is very uh, awkward. Um, <laughs> and so, so is Lauren's. Um, so I really liked, I really liked this issue a lot. I thought it was, you know, just from another perspective. I thought it was brighter. They were like a lot more colors. The, uh, the cyborg Superman arc was very blue for some reason. Like there was a lot of like blues and grays in it. And I, I think that there were a lot of different colors in this one, uh, which I enjoyed. Just felt like a different art style. It felt like a different, uh, you know, just getting a little bit out of the box that the, the it had been in before with the last arc. I didn't love how it ended like it just bothered me it felt too abrupt but we talked about that I just kind of we went from this whole story about Lauren and then like the next thing you know she's like up in the clouds like pouting and I was like but what happened with him (laughs) (laughs) yeah I felt like uh maybe maybe it needed like just a like another bubble to say like you know oh we're gonna be working on it or like we're gonna come back to it some something I just felt like it was very abrupt after she had spent so much time and and honestly like risked a lot. They kept on being like, "Well, if we can't get you out, sorry, <laughs> like <laughs> like like you're gonna be stuck there with all the uh, with uh, with all the werewolves for I guess forever." <laughs> uh, well, and then he- she got out and she was like. Eh. And went to went to go sit on the cloud. Well, you know, for Supergirl, that's just like another day in the life. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's like it's just a Tuesday for her. Yeah, like the <laughs> the uh, issue description talks about her going on a suicide mission, but she's like, Meh, yeah, no big deal. NBD, no big deal. Uh, yeah, no, I would agree with you. I I would have wanted something more of an ending with Lauren because I was very invested. In his story, this whole issue, and and Supergirl's connection to him. So I hope we get to see more of him. And I thought it was nice in this one that we actually got an answer to something previous, previously in this uh, Rebirth series. Is that, you know, why does this Kryptonian werewolf, like, why is he werewolfing out? What is the deal? And so when we we actually get the answers to that in this issue, that he's he's triggered by this emotional or mental thing going on because of his father and how his father didn't believe in him and so looking up in the moons reminds him of all that uh that how he was kind of pushed down and not able to pursue his dreams and and hopes for his life so hey that's that's deep that is some deep stuff so i i respect uh the willingness of the the writer to go there i thought that was very nice so i this is my favorite issue so far in rebirth uh so uh yeah i think mine too so if if it continued down this path i would be very into it all right well i think that's going to do it for our thoughts on supergirl number seven if you've already picked up this issue make sure to give it a rating in comiXology or your dc comics app and if you haven't bought it yet supergirl number seven is available in the dc comics app the comiXology app as well as comiXology.com 
Google Play, the Nook Store, Amazon, and at readdcentertainment.com. As far as keeping up with us, if you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. But you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play and iHeartRadio. We have a Spotify playlist, so go over there and check out our literal Supergirl radio. We are also on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com forward slash dc-fans. And you can find us and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you've got some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And we're part of the DC TV Podcast Network, so you can follow at DC TV Podcast on Twitter. And like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. And you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid. That's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. And I am also on Instagram at the Derby Kid. That's T-H-E-D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. And you can watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash duckmilkprod. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. And if you like Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice like I do, I've got a couple of videos up on my YouTube channel right now explaining why I love it so much. So if you're into that, you can go check those out. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Mojotastic. That's M-O-J-O-T-A-S-T-I-C. I am also on Instagram uh, with the same name, although I don't know that there's anything super interesting in there, like unless you're into like my my food and and my my mom's dog uh running through the snow which are both pretty solid things uh <laughs> now that i'm saying it i'm really selling this more than i thought i was going to <laughs> um, i i enjoy your instagram i don't know what you're talking you. about uh i feel like i feel like i'm not like i'm not a, a, like that prolific of an of a grammar so if you're looking for somebody who just grams occasionally uh, I'm your person. Uh, you can you can also find me on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, where I'm a, a co-host, and we're I guess uh, as we're recording this tonight, I don't know when this is going to post, but it's the season finale of Legends of Tomorrow. So you should. Uh, there's no better time really to catch up on the Legends of Tomorrow <laughs> podcast than after the season is over. And I would rec- the same way I recommend you to, to listen to it, whether or not you watch the show, I would recommend you to start it when the season's over. That's actually a good idea. Just binge watch <laughs> the show, binge watch the podcast. You're totally covered. Exactly. I think that would be an that's an excellent way to watch or not watch the show. Is yes. just binge the <laughs> podcast. Just binge the podcast. I, I mean, you can binge the show. I'm not going to make you, but binge the podcast. <laughs> Definitely binge the podcast. That's a great idea. Well, thanks for joining us as we read Supergirl Rebirth. <laughs>